All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today once again, as always, in the blockhouse with Kelly. How's it going, Kelly? Um, well, how are you? It's been incredibly busy. We have uh, oh, yeah. come out of the gate with season three, and like every year so far, we're like, this is going to be the year. Where we do better. Where we do better, and we just chill, and everything's just normal. But I think since the beginning of the podcast, it's been promotions, it's been training, it's been... So you can't really be mad about jobs changing and making more money and stuff, but it certainly puts a wrench in this fucking podcast thing. (laughs) So thanks for sticking it out with us, everybody. Um, You know, if you're listening to this in the future, enjoy the next episode and the one before it, you know? (laughs) Uh, But in real time, yeah, it's been been about two weeks since we recorded. So, Mm -hmm. but we are here today, Kelly, to enjoy what? Why are we here in this cold room? We are here. That's a great question. (laughs) Turn off the heater for this. Why? We're here today to talk about a singular man. His name, Bob Dylan. This is a Bob Dylan podcast, if you didn't know. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the number of years war, also known as the Dutch Revolt from 1568 to 1648. And this week, we listen to Kingsport Town off of the Bootleg series volume 80. one through three a winter wind is a blowing strong my hands have got no gloves i wish to my soul that i could see the gal i'm thinking of don't you remember me baby i remember you quite well Caused me to leave old Kingsport town with a high sheriff on my tree. All right, Kelly, so we spent the entire week with Kingsport town. This is not on any album. This is from the Bootleg Series Volume 1 through 3, as I just said. Before we get into the context and talk about Kingsport itself and where it is and what's going on, how was your week with this song? Uh, It's fine. It just was kind of there. It's, I don't know. It. It's not particularly special song, but it's not bad, which is nice. Yeah. Like it didn't annoy me every time I heard it. It's true. So that's not, so it's a good well, week, it's got I the, guess. It's got the acoustic guitar. It's got the harmonica. Which I do it's enjoy. Got, uh, I'm his on, voice. on tape saying I enjoy those things. So That's true. Uh, but it does feel minor. And obviously mm-hmm. it got put on the bootleg series volume one through three. So it was not a, it was not something that he thought was going to be a big thing. Uh, this was recorded November 14th, 1962 in Studio A in New York City in one take. So, and I think this is the only extant version of the song. And it just sort of was something he just kind of wrote. He's never played it live. Uh, Clinton Halen, uh, talking about the song, he said, quote, when Kingsport Town entered general circulation in the late 80s, it seemed like a real throwback. Its use of folk commonplaces and inclusion alongside a first-rate album outtake suggested an early composition, yet its delivery bore the hallmark of a songwriter who was some way down the road to a fully realized Seven Curses and Percy song, both written the following year. In fact, Dylan appears to purposefully be demonstrating how sophisticated his grasp on traditional templates is becoming. And uh, we'll talk about Seven Curses probably in a little bit. So, Kelly, what's this song about? What do you have? Like, I don't even know what you have. Oh. <laughs> so, like, what am I doing? Am I this doing... is only about Kingsport Town, except it's like this. The town I'm going Kingsport. on to Kingsport. Yeah. yeah. So that's where we're going. Okay. And you got Kingsport stuff. No. I mean, from the title, I would think Kingsport. Kingsport Town? I don't know that it's about kingsport oh we can talk about what it's actually about but if we're taking it on the name of the town with the song right kingsport town kingsport town i can tell you a couple of things that kingsport town is not 
But the only way that I can tell you wow. is through the medium of slam poetry. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this could be incredible. <laughs> Everybody hold so, on to your butts. Everybody get ready for some snaps after. Oh, this is amazing. Okay. I've never done this, so you got to be nice. <laughs> Kingsport Town, Kingsport Town, you're not Gulfstream RVs sold at 40K a piece. You're not a neo-traditional community in Annapolis, Maryland, where the residence calendar is kept under password and login. Kingsport Town, Kingsport Town, you are not northeast of the Habitat Rivermouth. Started Indian Point, then Oak Point, after the oak trees in the south. You are not where the Micmacs spent their summer moons or where the Acadians raised their crops before being pushed out like so much driftwood. Kingsport Town, Kingsport Town, there are so many things that you are not like that fictional place in racist-ass H.P. Lovecraft plots. But Kingsport, there is one thing that you will always be, and that's an okay place in Northeast Tennessee. Yes. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> How'd you do that? I wrote this in like 10 minutes. That's incredible. <laughs> You're going to be just fine. We're going to have some crazy more slam poetry every episode. <laughs> That's our thing. No, dear God, no. Forget about buffering the vampire slayer. It's slam poetry, <laughs> Bob Dylan style. It is a town in Northeastern D- Tennessee. Yeah. I did, did, learn that. did you look up more about it? Or no, I was like, my thing was a la, what's that one we did about the river? Shenandoah? Yeah. So when I looked up Shenandoah and I found the wrong Shenandoahs. Oh, right. right. I was like, that's pretty funny. I'm going to get the right <laughs> yeah. So I was like, what are the other Kingsport towns? Okay. Right. And it turns out there actually really aren't any other Kingsports that at least come. I even did like a search minus Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the only thing that came up was this town in um, Canada. Yeah. Oh, Canada. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and this RV company and uh, t- neighborhood in Annapolis. Amazing. So, oh, and wow. also, yeah, Kingsport is a fictional place in some HP Lovecraft oh, wow. novels. Okay. So. That's amazing. Yeah. I had no idea. You would think Kingsport would be more common. It's a great name. Right? I mean, right? it feels very English too. It does. So, and I mean, it was the British who were here. It's mm-hmm. like, that's very strange. I never even thought about the, the name itself. And when I was reading the Wikipedia thing for, uh, the Kingsport in Canada and it said Acadians, I was like, wow, well, Acadian driftwood. Yeah. I like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, well, that's not the only band reference we're going to throw down today. Nice. I mean, yeah, I just, I, I looked up, Kingsport itself, it's in the Tri-City area with Bristol, Tennessee and Virginia, right on the right on the border here. It's real Bristol. close. It's very close. And uh, Johnson City is probably, is I think, the biggest town out of all of them. Uh, Kingsport is just the name Kingsport. You know, mm-hmm. it was on the Holston River um, that goes all the way from, uh, from Kingsport down to Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, we listen to, on our playlist, you can listen to songs about the Cumberland Gap. This is the Cumberland Gap. This what, is where. What is that? So the Cumberland. Everybody back in the day, the the Appalachian Mountains were west. I mean, you you stopped at the Appalachians. Oh wow! Um, yeah, before before the war, the Revolutionary War in 1763, the British uh, declared essentially that there is no expansion beyond that place. The the border of the colonies is the Appalachian mountains. And it was actually Peter Jefferson, uh, Thomas Jefferson's dad, uh, along with Daniel Boone later that, um, went over, went across and the wilderness road is the famous road through the Cumberland gap that you can still drive through today, but was something that was blazed by them. The Cherokees were living here, plenty of treaties with the Cherokees, the history of Kingsport itself and on the river, uh, is important because of a, a famous treaty at the time, just before the revolution. And then after the revolution, obviously, 
the American government gets together, and then obviously we all know what happens there. Um, but yeah, that's the Cumberland Gap. Um, it was also beyond that, though. After the Civil War, this whole area kind of disappeared. There was an actual there was a, a battle, quote unquote, um, during the Civil War in December of 1864. Major General George Stoneman, who we know from. Uh, night they drove all Dixie down mm. Stoneman's raids, right. you know, um, he, he had a force of about 5,000 that interacted with, uh, Richard Morgan, Colonel Richard Morgan on the Confederate side. And obviously 5,500 versus 300. Um, you can tell what happened there. So this was near the end of the war and this is during Stoneman's raids where he's just going through and kind of closing up, you know, the war's about to end at that point. Uh, it's also famous for Mary the Elephant, 1916. Hmm. An elephant trampled uh, a circus worker. And we have to hold someone to account. So who do we hold to account? The elephant. Well, so the yeah. elephant was arrested, if you will. No way. And interred. And everybody wanted to to have it serve, like, justice. We need justice. We need to kill for Mary. This. So we killed Mary. Uh, 2,500 people went to the Clinchfield Railroad to watch Mary hang. They hung from a crane. An elephant? An elephant. What the fuck? The next year, it became a rechartered city. So basically, it, after the Civil War, it kind of just like disappeared. It was just kind of a backwater Jesus. place. Rechartered in 1917. Uh, it became one of the first towns in America to have a city manager uh, to like plan out the city. Uh, so instead of running it just like on a mayor saying, let's build a house there, let's do that. They actually planned out the city. Whoa. So it was one of the first in America and one of the first places to have traffic circles. It's fun. It's amazing. Um, and that's Kingsport. I, they hung an elephant? They hung an elephant. So Clinchfield, you can see Clinchport right up there. So the Cl Clinchfield is kind of like this little spot of the mm -hmm. Appalachians. Uh, if you're looking at a map, go home. Type it in. If you're listening on a phone, pop up your maps. Uh, but yeah, Kingsport, just north of it, is kind of where the Clinchfield area is. So we haven't talked about it a whole lot on the show, but I, my very first year in college, I went to the University of Virginia's college at Wise. In Wise, Virginia, if you're looking at the map, it's like directly north of Kingsport by probably about 30 miles or so. Uh, it's right outside the town of Norton, Big Stone Gap. These are going to be the bigger, bigger, quote-unquote, towns yeah. along the Appalachians. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. I haven't been back there since I left. I only went there for one year, and then I went to college in Norfolk, Virginia. I still think about those roads. I still, like, I drove that. We used to go from Wise all the way up to, to where I grew up in Manassas, Virginia, which is about an eight-hour drive. We would do that every other weekend. God, we were yeah. just driving around all the time, um, my girlfriend and I. And our first date uh, after we sort of met, we went down to Johnson City to Chili's because you, what do you do? You go to Chili's and, <laughs> Ch and Johnson city is where you go. Uh, it's kind of funny cause we would have driven through Kingsport, but yeah. clearly didn't think twice about staying in Kingsport. So yeah, Johnson city was where it's at. That was the first place I ever went to a club. You know, I, I like played in punk rock stuff and I went to small venues, but I'd never been to like a club club and it was terrible. And I've never, I don't think I've ever been back to a club. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of weird because you hear about Kingsport all the time when you're up there because it's just across the border into Tennessee. Mm. And it's weird to think of this confluence right here because if you're looking at the map, you're looking at Tennessee. Kentucky's literally right up there. And then you've got Virginia uh, and every in West Virginia is just right up there, too. I mean, these four states you can drive in one day. You can hit all of them. You know, it's a little more laborious than the the four corners, you know, of you know, Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, nice, and Arizona, you know, it's a little more 
you know, there's not a nice little plaque you can stand on <laughs> to flip a coin like Skylar in Breaking Bad. Um, can't really do that here, but uh, it is pretty interesting. So not as cool as slam poetry. I mean, but I certainly, uh, <laughs> but I mean, this is a place that I know a little bit about, um, just a little bit, but does this song evoke that out of you? It evoked slam poetry out it of did. me. Uh, it just evokes this long, you know, just a different life. I can't wait to drive those roads again. I can't wait to go back. I feel like I'll never forget those drives off of 81 into the mountains. This song isn't really about any of that. Doesn't seem to be. No, this song is about a missing girl. Is it? I mean, he's missing her. Oh, that's a little bit different. Oh, yeah. No, this is not like <laughs> the killing Appalachian. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. no, but it's just like I'm missing my I'm missing my girl. That's right. what I mean. Missing my girl. Um, not not just a missing girl. It's not a Laura Palmer situation. Um, she wasn't missing, right? I don't know who that is. That's from the David Lynch thing. Twin Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. I never watched them. But you know the name. Do I? Well, you should. Yeah. You should. I think this song is about one or two things, possibly both at the same time. So I either think this song is about interracial dating in a segregated South or, and possibly, about a woman who is a outlaw. Because that's nice. how it always goes. Nice. Okay. Okay. And Bob has been following her around because okay. he loves her. Because he can't help it. Really? You know, I just love you, so I'm just going to be an outlaw with you, I guess. Okay. And then he takes the fall for her. Ah. And has to go on the run. And he's bummed because he had to leave her behind. So he's on the run, clearly. He's like, I'm leaving Kingsport with a high sheriff on my tail. Trail? Tail? Whatever. Yeah. So why? So it's either because they're in an interracial relationship and that's not okay. So he's got to get the heck out of there or it's because she or both of them are criminals and he's taking some heat and he's got to get out of there. That's fair. Some people see it as a, as like an affair mm. possibly with the Could sheriff's daughter. Yeah. Ah, okay. And I got to go. That. So be. that's, that's probably one of those, uh, Robert McMillan at Haiku 61 revisited. I don't think he does these anymore, but this is appropriate with our slam poetry. Uh, his haiku for this song is cops chase man from town. He messed around with a girl. He thinks she'll miss him. It's pretty great. Uh, and then he sums up the story, and I love this. The story is simple yet obscure. One, it's winter. A man is on the run and cold. He's thinking of a girl. Two, does she remember him? She's the reason he had to leave Kingsport and the reason the police are chasing him. Three, they're chasing him because he fell for her. Four, who's going to stroke her black hair and sandy skin and kiss her Memphis lips? Five, who is going to walk her side by side and reassure her? Who's going to be her man and look her in the eye and hold her bad luck hand? Six, damn, it's cold out. <laughs> I mean, that's accurate. And the bad luck hand thing is what kind of uh, colors it for me a little bit. Cause yeah. So I'm like, why is her hand bad luck? I know. Like, it, clearly you have something to do with why he had to leave. And I don't think it's something as innocent as like, you're the daughter of a sheriff because like, why, really that wouldn't make, yeah, that, well, that, that would, if anything, that would make you have good luck, right? You can get yourself out of a lot of situations theoretically. True. So I don't know. I feel like she did some shit. Who's going to walk you side by side? Who's going to be your man? Who's going to look you straight in the eye and hold your bad luck hand? Hold your bad luck hand, be Hold your bad luck hand. Or had the unfortunate circumstance of being a person of color in America. Well, and that's the thing. So that that is definitely part of it, too. The sandy colored skin or whatever. I was going to kiss your Memphis lips. Right. 
I think that line alone is does what Bob Dylan does best on some of these songs. It makes it really, it makes it really. Um, you can put whatever you want on it, right? Sandy color can be darker brown, white. Could black. be a tan white person, yeah. Sure. So it's really, yeah. I think it's all up to you. Um, for mm-hmm. me, I sort of write it like that. It's kind of like outlaw blues, you know. That it can be. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of songs like this that that sort of skirt that line. But for me, that was always the implication. That's what I thought. But I don't really know. If you're looking at the text, I don't think anything betrays that. I don't think anything else in here says that this is, you know, a black girl in the South or anything like that. There's I mean, not I guess any it's more. just a culmination of the physical characteristics described because she's got dark eyes, black hair black that's hair. curly. Sure. So, uh, and sandy colored skin, then obviously that we just said we, that could be anything. Could be anything. But right? um, it, I think the choice of that take, word is important. The context of it being in the South also, there's like, just good odds i yeah, think that I think he so. is talking about a black girl at which point then just you know being in a relationship you're in trouble now so. sure he he mocks openly these sort of things and the sheriff as we've talked about in the seven curses extended universe are often people that are sort of jokes and you know easy to get away from because they're all i mean good old boys i mean that's kind of how i read this you know high sheriff on the trail but they're not really i mean the, the all of these police departments and all of these uh during the civil rights era and his era were you know just good old boy networks yeah. you know they they propped up the white institutions and held down everyone else and they're not actually good at their jobs they're just good at violence and perpetuating a system that you know nobody wants to deal with so for me yeah that's how i always read it but i don't think anything here really oh, when I you make it you a part of ex- concretely when, say that, yeah. when you make it a part of the seven curses extended universe then we're talking <laughs> then it's good we can really dive into these characters but so far, they're, they're just anonymous people that you can play with or, or not. What is the name of the song at the end of Highway 61? Desolation Room? Yeah. So this uh, had that a little bit of that for mm, me because okay. obviously you have the two guitars and then like the little Spanish flair to mm, it. Yeah. Especially with the, um, whomever's playing the second guitar. Who else is on this song? I don't think anyone is. Okay. It's just Bob. Dude, but he must have re-recorded himself. I mean, you can hear, but it's remember that's Dave Van Rock saying I know, but there's no way. There's no way. I don't There's know. no way. I have no idea. Because somebody is constantly strumming. You can't hit all those those notes and no, stuff I, when somebody's consistently like also consistently. No, so who would do time. it? I mean, probably just a, a session person, but I don't know who. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. Or it's him re recording over himself, but I don't know if it's just like him I and him. I don't think he I mean sixty two though. Yeah. It's so early. I you guess. don't really re record. There has to be two fucking guitars on this. Like it's I, impossible. It, it, yeah, unless Bob is a no shaman. No, it's great at guitar. This is not a question of prowess. This is just like physical impossibilities. Anyway, yes, it reminded me of that a little bit. So I don't. It doesn't have the same flavor to me as Seven Curses. It definitely feels a lot more like that other song. I can't remember. Ballad. I want to call it ballad. Something. It's not that. Desolation Row. Desolation Row. Yeah. Yeah, but Desolation, Des- Desolation Row is incredibly specific about who the characters are. Sure. Whereas this one is so vague as right. to be whatever. And I think that's what makes this song a minor song. If there was more, you know, you could tell who these people were mm-hmm. or even your relation to them. You know, because even Murder Bob songs, there's there's the introduction of characters with names. There's the introduction of places and situations. This is truly just the winter wind is blowing. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like going back to two weeks ago, you know, when we talked about Girl from the North Country. Sure. I mean, this could be anywhere. And it's literally just I'm missing a girl mm-hmm. and I've got the sheriff on my tail. There's nothing else here. Yeah. And there's nothing else here. What makes this song fine for me is that I like Bob's voice. 
even though it comes out of nowhere. It's a little aggressive at the beginning. Uh, to the point that sometimes I turn, I hit the song to skip, 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 skip when I'm listening to the CD because it's just a genuine, you know, it's just him on a guitar. It's fine. But I, there's so many other guitar Bob songs that are so much better than this one. What if he killed her? Or no, what oh. if he was implicated in her murder? Like she died. Bad luck. She got bad luck. She died. So I'm going to hold her dead hand. And No. No, he's wishing hold... that she was alive so he could hold her bad luck hand. Sure, who's going to be the man? But the bad luck is that she died in a, in a precarious way, a suspicious mm-hmm. way, and he got blamed for it, so he had to leave. And that's why he misses her, because she's dead as fuck. What, so his hands have no gloves. Maybe the gloves are involved. Maybe it's an OJ situation. Perhaps. Killed her with the gloves, and then the gloves are... You said murder, Bob, and I was like, oh, God, obviously she's dead. Obviously she's dead. <laughs> Uh, no, again, I don't think that that's the case either. I think he wrote this in five seconds, and I think it goes back to Halen more than anything. Like it's playing with traditional stuff. I mean, yeah, we have sure. a couple of songs on our playlist. That, oh, that Isley is it? Isley Brothers, Ansley yeah, Brothers, the Everly, Everly Brothers. God. So yeah, we got a you know who, and that's really the that is the, the, the direct connection exactly. So who's gonna who's gonna shoe your pretty little feet? Uh, the Everly Brothers, the Everly Brothers covered it. Who's gonna shoe? Your pretty little feet Who's gonna glove your little hand Who's gonna kiss your ruby red lips That's on our playlist right in the smack in the middle. But, is but that, that's an old traditional song. That's an old song, yeah. old traditional song. Absolutely. And then I also put um, something even further back, which in theory, Bob Dylan would have heard, but not this because this is a newer version, but the last of uh, Lock Royal, an old English folk oh, That sounds ballad. fucked up. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's also part of this. And then Hard Times in Old England. That's not the name of the song I'm thinking. I think... I think the Steel Eyed Span one and the Last of Lock Royal are together like sort of the same type of song. But okay. but yeah, so that's that's the genesis of this. And I think he's just playing on the song. Yeah, when I was know? listening to our playlist and I heard the shoes, I was like, that's the song. Exactly. <laughs> and so there's another one. It's hard. I mean, we've we've now had that multiple times now. Sure. I mean, we had Cry a While last week that was just nothing but taking those little fun tidbits and putting them together in a song form and then we had girl from the north country which you know we talked about not being scarborough fair but like sure. definitely had, had its genesis there and we've had a lot of that this year it's been a lot of like links in the chain and you know it's crazy because bob's got so many songs we just have happened to get ones that are very directly tied to to ones that have existed before mm. but he is definitely has his own stuff on the other side but i don't know pretty crazy so this is a song work in 2019 um I'm always hung up on the word work. I mean, yeah. The again, I I think that when you're playing a, a regular instrument like a guitar or any like a piano that we still use and have used forever, yeah. Um, that you you get out of that trap of sounding sounding like you're from a specific era. Yeah. But I think that the nature of this, it, like, is clearly an older folk song, right. and I don't know that it lends itself to modernity in the same way that some of his other stuff does lyrically because it's so like "Girl from North Country." That could be. Right, right today even if the language is more antiquated it, it still feels so fresh yes whereas this one just doesn't it feels like it's feel definitely from a time way. and place for sure and they're recorded around the same time so it's kind of crazy because even seven curses if we're you know the, the halen quote i mean these were written right afterwards they're just so different i mean there's just mm-hmm. so much more to those songs than this sort of thing just seems like a 
something he was just practicing with. Yeah. He never, he didn't go back to do it again because it ran its course. You know, I mean, what else do you do? That song is so simplistic. It's almost like, what else can you do? I'm just going to keep it here. It's fine. I'm going to move on. I'm already thinking of Masters of War. I'm thinking of Hard Rain's going to fall. Like, my, my mind is exploding right now, and I'm going to follow that. So I'm glad he did, because the other Bob Dylan would have gone down this rabbit hole even further, rewriting traditional songs, you know, writ large, and that would suck, you know? Yeah, I don't know if it it works necessarily, because... I would say it. I don't think it works yeah. either. Because, I, I, you know, to go back to Clinton uh, Highland, he's got a, another quote on this. Uh, he, he says that this song, quote, remains a fascinating rag... He says rag bag. I don't know if that's a thing, but okay. uh, he says, quote, it remains a fascinating rag bag of ideas that Dylan has yet to formalize into a style that he can call his own, which in no way explains or excuses it's absent from the latest edition of his lyrics book. So this is something that he's also obviously it's copywritten and it's his, but he he's interesting because he can't put all of his songs right. But it is funny that, you know, this, this is a major I mean, the bootleg series volume one through three is a major piece of Bob Dylan work. Uh, with so many amazing songs on there. I mean, you could have picked anything, and you picked one of these. So it's it's weird that he would have sort of just leave it off of his, I think his that, list of things. That you're right that maybe he was just listening to that shoe song, and he was like, mm, I'm just going to write some different lyrics and play this song just to get this idea out of me. Yeah. I think that happens a lot of times if, with so creative type people that it's like, I can't let this idea go. I'm just going to play this song real quick, and now I don't well, have to think about I it ever again. That's what I sort of was told to do way back in the day. If you're going to write a song, like just pick a song and rewrite it you know you're not you're obviously stealing it so don't use that but like use what you're going to get from it with your lyrics or whatever you're building skills every time you do that exactly and you have to fit words into a rhyme scheme you have to do this i mean we just heard indelible (laughs) rhyming right here you know you're but you're fitting it in slam poetry is easier because you can really manipulate uh, manipulate it and move the rhyme scheme but bob dylan did that too i mean with a guitar with his music You know, I mean, Desolation Row is a great example of like internal rhymes and, and, different stuff. and moving things around yeah. and yep yeah, and, and elongating stuff. I mean, we've talked about this over the last 80 episodes. I'm with you. I don't think that this one really stands up. I think this is the weakest one so far um, this season. Um, but even like Beyond Here Lies Nothing is another example in my head uh, that is a lot like this. It's so vague as to mean nothing. Mm. So it's really do you like the music more? And I think with Bob and a guitar, I prefer other things, whereas Bob in Beyond Here Lies Nothing there's no other song that really sounds like that until you go back to like street legal when he's got the saxophones and stuff like that. It's a very rich sound and the accordion is unique. You know, there's not a lot with you. So the music for that wins out. Whereas Bob with the guitar, you're right. It's timeless. It feels old, but it still works and it sounds good. sounds great. Oh yeah. The recordings. I mean, that's thank you, Columbia. Thank you, CBS, you know, but does it, yeah, I don't think it really, resonates yeah. that's for sure resonates now it's it's great to put on a memphis playlist sure. memphis tennessee playlist like i have and it'll be fun to hear when you're driving through memphis or walking in memphis i can't believe that's been on two of our playlists i can't stress how much i hate that song and every time it comes on i get angry i almost took it off because i hate it as well and i never listened to it once this week i skipped right over it i ended oh, with clinchfield myself Whew. I love that Clinchfield song. I was like, I should have ended it with this. I'm a playlist diehard. Speaking of playlists, Kelly, <laughs> we had a great one this week. Um, a lot of country for my taste, but. there. So I wanted to pay homage to that, but not go in the bad, the wrong direction, sure. if you will. So welcome back to the playlist, Nancy Sinatra. That song was, that whole album is crazy. Him and that her cover. and that guy. Whew. Uh, swearing. This yeah. is a swearing podcast. We've actually used Movie Star before, but uh, who cares? Who cares? Aaron Lee Tasjan. I mean, this is like the fifth time too. Cat Power, Pete Seeger, Jason Isbell. You particularly that song was great. Yeah. There's an answer here. 
Unfortunately, uh, walking to Memphis, so feel free to skip over that one. Welcome okay. to the playlist, though. Uh, Nina Gri- or Nana Grizzle, lead singer of Defiance, Ohio. Secret Sisters, that was one of my favorite songs this week. Hold Steady, I can't believe we haven't put them on there. Everly Brothers, obviously. Uh, Maddie Pryor, Steel Eye Span, those are the traditional ones. Darius Rucker. I know. Of that song the is fish. Of Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> that song is huge. Really? Yeah. The Wagon Wheel thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guess who wrote the chorus? What? Really? That's all about. Uh, the Devels, Evan Webb, and the Rural Route Ramblers. Um, I really enjoyed that. That was good. Yeah. Bristol Stomp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was great. I love that shit. That was fantastic. Yeah. So I really like this playlist. I think this is one that would be really fun to listen to if you're driving through Kingsport. So if you are. Just keep that in mind. Keep it in mind. (laughs) So Kelly, we were also people in the world, existing, living. But before we get to our recommendations for the week, I just want to remind you that we're a real podcast. Mm -hmm. As you heard earlier, this is our 80th episode. 80. That's a lot. My God. And if you're curious as to what the other 79 episodes are, you can go on to our website, SOTWpod.com. You can also go to Twitter, to Facebook, to SoundCloud, to Instagram, at SOTWpod. Remember Sign on the Witch? Sign of the Season Witch. of the Witch. Season of the Witch. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, and if you feel so inclined and have listened to a lot of our episodes, you can also go to Patreon.com slash SOTWpod. You can give us a dollar. That'd be so nice. We'll shout you out on the on the podcast. And you also get access to a lot of fun stuff we're doing. We've obviously got a bunch of mixed up confusions on there uh, that will probably come out later on uh, on the actual show. And we've also got uh, a, an obituary thing that we're doing. So yeah. instead of doing it all at the end of the year, uh, I know a lot of people you know, have listened to that over the last two years. We're just going to kind of do it as a regular recurring um, segment. So we listen to songs from people that we've lost throughout 2019. And then we... Talk about it. So you'll get that. That's a Patreon exclusive. So if you are interested in something like that or have more ideas about what you want to hear from us, let us know. Send us a tweet. Leave us a review. We are amenable to ideas. Amenable to anything. We are here for you. Kelly, (laughs) we were people in the world, as I mentioned before. What do you recommend for the people this week? I finished Russian Doll. It's so good. It's a Netflix series. It's really short. It's less than 10 episodes. I don't know how they'll do a second season unless it's an anthology thing because it really doesn't lend itself to going any further. Uh, but it's so fucking good. Natasha Leone's the star. Uh, Amy Poehler's one of the producers on it. And I think the entire writing room was women. And I think it really makes a difference. And it's just fucking perfect. It's it's funny. It's dark. It's just a really interesting take. The premise is a woman keeps dying, kind of Groundhog Day style. 
Um, but she doesn't necessarily live the same day over again. It, okay. She just lives as long as she, until she dies, and then she starts back at zero. Start like so. It's wow. her thirty sixth birthday. She's staring in a mirror every time she dies. She goes right back to the same oh, spot. That's it's cool. very neat. So I highly, highly recommend it. And like I said, short Does half it have hour episode. Anything to do with Russia? Is she a spy? Is she... No, no. There's... So the Russian doll is more of like the the doll. Yeah, the Matryoshka the... dolls or yeah. whatever they're called. Um, yeah, there's like one throwaway line in a scene where she's looking at them, and then that's it. Okay, <laughs> like it has nothing right. to do with that. That's fair. Uh, and then we're watching The Wire. That's still good. Just oh, yeah. so everybody knows. Update on that. <laughs> Wire's still good. Wire's still good. Let me understand you. Every Friday night, you and your boys will shoot crap, right? But every Friday night, your pal Snap Boogie, he'd wait till there was cash on the ground, then you'd grab the money and run away? You let him do that? I mean, we'll catch him and beat his ass, but ain't nobody never go past that. I gotta ask you. If every time Snap Boogie would grab the money and run away, why'd you even let him in the game? What? When Snap Boogie always stole the money, why'd you let him play? Got to. This America, man. I also rewatched Space, which was a half an hour comedy in the early 2000s, uh, British comedy. It stars writer. Uh, Jessica Hines and writer Simon Pegg. They both star in it. They're the main characters. Uh, it also has Nick Frost, who's a Simon Pegg tag along friend, and Edgar Wright directs and I think produces a lot of the episodes too. So if you're into any of the assignment, like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, uh, At World End, this is kind of it's, it's genesis of this all these creative people getting together and doing this stuff. Awesome. And it's fun. And there's Buffy stuff in it. He like Simon Pegg is a, com- a graphic artist and he's like a nerd. And yeah. that's, it's fine. So if you were alive rough. in that time, yeah, yeah, you would definitely get some of the humor. But it's stuff. on Prime, so go watch it if you can, <laughs> if you like British stuff. Fair enough. Uh, I want to shout out Direct Hit and Smoking Popes. Oh, yeah, we went to go see that. We went to go, <laughs> we went to go see forgot. that show. Incredible. It was so much fun. It was uh, really fun. Super drunk. That was uh, too drunk. Too Way too drunk. Never going to drink again uh, as he sips a beer. Yeah. yeah, that was really good. Direct Hit, punk band from... Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Very good. Very good. Smoking Popes from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, highly recommend both of them. Smoking Popes, they put on a fucking show. That was yeah, good. Yeah. And Direct Hit is incredible. So uh, definitely definitely listen to those. I also finished Roberto Bolaño's The Spirit of Science Fiction. Uh, he, he died in 2003, but this is kind of his last. The last books are kind of coming out. And I also read a book that I think is relevant for this. Uh, I finished a book called um, American Overdose, The Opioid Tragedy in Three Acts by Chris McGreal. Um, obviously that takes place in West Virginia, but it is definitely all part of this Appalachia, uh, spot. And, uh, the last thing I want to shout out is free at last by pup. They released the music video. Uh, they gave out the chords for the song free at last before anybody had heard it and the lyrics and 253 bands of all stripes, uh, slam poets, uh, opera singers, Mm -hmm. punk bands, you name it, uh, covered it, just covered a version of the song. And they put it all into a fun music video. You can actually go and listen um, to every single version. They've all they've all been hosted uh, at a place called AudioMac.com, which is really pretty. The website's <laughs> very like very easy to to navigate and go and like listen to all these random versions. And it's cool. Yeah, you know. So all of them are there. And if you haven't seen the video, it is one of the funniest videos I've seen. <laughs>
they're so good. They're so talented. They make me so mad at how good <laughs> at how good they are. So pup, that album's coming out in April, so we will be talking the shit out of that. That's for sure. Um, all right, Kelly, we are at the end of the episode. If there's any, not anything else, no new business. No new business. Okay. We are. I'm sorry, you got to get rid of Kate Beckinsale. I, I just saw her little face in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like looking on yeah. our business. Well, the way that you had all the windows set up, it was just like her eyes, like, hello. Right I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kate Beckinsale. Uh, I see. And that's, that's just poor. I mean, what I need to do is that. Oh, no. Bye, Kate. I like to not know what's being advertised to me by making it really big. <laughs> All right, Kelly, number 42, Kingsport Town, is coming off the list. Goodbye. We are down to a cool 431 songs left. That's 431 weeks. I just That's probably about eight to ten years. I just, it's like the number hasn't gone, I feel like the number hasn't gone down it's in like months. It's like you've been sentenced. You gotta cool, you gotta carry the ten. We've been watching oh The Wire. God. You gotta carry the ten. Oh you might want to try to get out on eight or something, but you can't. You gotta carry, this, this is your weight. I mean, you can get strangled, I suppose. That's oh, the only way out of this. Oh, jeez. All right, Kelly. What out of... What out of... <laughs> the only way out of this podcast is death. <laughs> All right, Kelly. One out of 431. What you got? Uh, how about... Christ. Okay. <laughs> how about 406? 406. Okay. Before I randomize it. 406 could have been in a different world... Oh, we would have gone back to Blonde on Blonde. Absolutely sweet Marie. Hmm. It's got a real cool organ line. I'll take your word for it. That's pretty great. Uh, <laughs> it's not that, though, so we'll never get to that again for another couple of years. 293 is the answer. Oh, okay. So we're going back to Biograph. So this is another random Bob Dylan song. Hmm. From the basically the same era, so this is uh it's featured on the Whitmark demos. It's featured on uh, the 1985 obviously Biograph release. Uh, it's called "Baby, I'm in the Mood for You." Hmm. Uh, he's got a crazy voice in this. Sounds like a crazy person, kind of like mixed up confusion, you know, when it kind of goes a little crazy. Hmm. Uh, this is a lot like that. So <laughs> yeah, so this week we're it's another minor song. Uh, hmm. So we'll we'll make up a playlist and we'll kind of maybe there's more meat on the bone, but uh, but it is an interesting thing. We haven't talked a lot about Biograph, so maybe we'll talk some more Biograph because. I mean, I think I've mentioned before, it's the first, one of the first box sets that's ever oh. sort of set the trend for box sets and kind of digs deep into artist catalog, you know, because once they make it, you, they always thought you couldn't make more, you know, money off of what came before. But, you know, with Bob, there's a mixture of album cuts, you know, just like greatest hits, but then mixed with like half greatest hits songs and half, you know, outtakes and different live versions and stuff like that. And then, I mean, today now you have like massive box sets with yeah, like sure. everything. I mean, Bob's still making those massive sets. All right. So we will be listening to baby. I'm in the mood for you next week. Episode 81. Kelly, it's been a pleasure as always. Slam poetry coming next week. We'll see you. Then. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right. Bye. Bye. Sometimes it gets so hard to see. I'm just sitting here beating on my trumpet with all these promises you left for me.